Welcome to another Cohort W podcast episode, bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real-life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large-scale combat operations and multi-domain operations. And now, here's your host. Hello. In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shares some personal and professional experiences as a military intelligence warrant officer. Then we'll examine those experiences and how they contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements for military intelligence. All Cohort W guests were recommended by senior warrant officers in their branch. Today, I am joined by Military Intelligence Warrant Officer, Chief Warrant Officer 2, Andrew Seaman. Thanks so much for your time today, Andrew. Can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, sir. So I'm CW2 Andrew Seaman. Uh, I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I have a wonderful wife named Allison, one son, Austin, who's aged four. And I've been in the Army roughly 13 years now. And my current duty position is the Fusion OIC at division level. Fusion OIC sounds very interesting. I can't wait to hear more. Can you talk to me a little bit about your MOS, your MOS title, and about your branch and the multiple MOSs within it, please? So I'm a 350 Fox all-source technician, which is just one of multiple portions of the Intel warfighting function. So I kind of holistically bring all the other Intel warfighting MOSs together, but we'll have signals intelligence, human intelligence, geoint intelligence, a CI, and a couple others. So those are all the 350 Fox is the proponent that brings those together as the Intel warfighting function as a whole, sir. We're going to move on, and I will ask if you can share with the audience what your daily work is like in garrison, the field, training, and during deployment. As an all-source intelligence technician, you know my primary purpose is to train, advise over intelligence analysts in different sections at different echelons, which support both collection, analysis, production, and dissemination efforts to provide predictive analysis to anywhere from a commanding general, subordinate commanders, and those staffs at those echelons. So we're responsible for synchronizing a common intelligence picture through knowledge management and information management. We're taking intelligence analysis and production requirements and refining those intelligence to support both targeting, integrating collection, and leveraging all those intelligence disciplines that I spoke of earlier to create a fused analytical product. Finally, you know, we coordinate that intelligence efforts with higher adjacent interagency partners provide a shared intelligence estimate among the intelligence enterprise from tactical to strategic levels and even outside of the DOD, sir. That's kind of the breakdown in the garrison and even training environment. In a deployed, even up to training and training to deployments, we review finished intelligence products and coordinate and manage that production within those cells. We ensure that timely production and dissemination happens for those products to enable lethal execution of targets. We provide assessments of conditions associated with posturing for the maneuver forces to actually be successful. There, there's a few different products that we provide from integrating information to intelligence disciplines, modifying you know enemy situational overlays, compiling daily intelligence summaries. These are different ways, you know, those courses of action to allow those commanders to make the decisions they need to and be able to leverage the aspects of what the enemy is currently doing, current capabilities they have, and what those intentions of that enemy commander is. That's real broad, generalized term, but I mean, that's it's really at every echelon we're providing the commander those key things for him to make decisions. 
I appreciate your robust descriptions, and I'm amazed to think about the process of gathering that qualitative and quantitative data, looking at it in context, and then interpreting it for your decision makers. Changing gears, I'm going to ask you to take your practical work and look at that through the warfighting functions that military intelligence is responsible for. We try to take all relevant information that's provided out there from different sources, and we take that information and make it intelligence, right? And then that intelligence is put into different products or even into the common operating picture. But the biggest portion is it's supporting operations and planning with fires and the other staff sections during both the military decision-making process and both situational development as that battle is unfolding. We as a whole have to work with almost every warfighting function. You know, when we get into the military decision-making process, step two, which is mission analysis, one of the first things you normally do is reverse warfighting function. So all the other warfighting functions come to the table and provide that input to us to help refine and be able to provide that situational awareness on the intelligence side. Great description of turning information into product to support MDMP. Can you keep going and spin your work up from the warfighting functions into large-scale combat operations, please? Over the last few years, we've tried to get ahead of what the enemy is doing. We're looking at positions of relative advantage. How are we going to go at reconnaissance and security? One of the biggest things that was a new thing that we had to come up with as we were going through FM30 was wet gap crossings and operations of and air assault planning. That's something in the last few years that was not really done prior in large-scale combat operations, both in training and even in real-world uh, deployment. So we've had to really frame that portion out. Sure, and thank you. And large-scale combat operation planning and prep is enormous and not done in a vacuum by any branch. Your work is very important to planning and operations, but that work is also an attractive target. How do you mitigate that threat? It's a very unique question that you ask. Intel as a whole, we, we do fight that a lot where we want to make sure we're providing intelligence across the spectrum, but not having that leaked out to any adversaries at the same time. The protection of these assets to actually accomplish these missions is a huge deal. We talk a lot about offensive operations. That was a shift, I think, doctrinally that emerged with FM30, but defensive matters too. So thanks for sharing that, and I, I appreciate your insight. Moving ahead. How does MI fit into multi-domain operations? That's a great question again. We invest real heavily up front to validate communications and product dissemination plans first and foremost, understanding what are the actions we must do to train our personnel, maintain equipment, preparing our intelligence system is key and critical just leading up to that. We can't simply just pass data on a preferred network through a preferred system when available. We must publish and disseminate intelligence in any means possible, from mission command systems down to radios or even if we need to, couriers as a last resort. The leading edge on that is upfront is understanding our intelligence architecture and how we're going to communicate across the board. But then, you know, once we actually get into into it, the lead into intelligence process for multi-domain operations is providing that lethality-driven intelligence to win decisively.
we have to be timely, accurate, precise, and predictive. And that enables the maneuver commanders to position forces and capabilities at the right location at the right time to posture, to close, and destroy the enemy or do the effects that we need on the enemy. Competition and conflict, joint operations will experience continuous disruption across both command and control from the electronic magnetic spectrums to space and cyber domains. That lack of effective joint command and control is going to isolate us in distributed units and kind of risk defeat and crisis and conflict. That's where we have to get ahead of that by sustain the fight, expand the battle space, create overmatch. And that's what's actually going to allow us to win in that multi-domain operation and leveraging the things we do have around us. I was glad to hear you talk about that cooperation and that joint environment to use whatever asset we have available in our arsenal to make sure either the message gets through or the action that's needed after the message gets through is available. It's hard to believe this time has gone by so fast, but really what I want to ask before we close here today is what have you learned or what would you like to share with the audience about your work's importance as part of the Army mission? Modernization and integration is going to be key and critical over the next 5, 10, even 15 years. The way of the future with that joint all-domain operations is the artificial intelligence and machine learning, being able to leverage that and utilize that in that next conflict. That's what's going to be really crucial and critical to be successful going forward. Keeping your eye on the future is definitely wise, and being aware of those technological opportunities and challenges is also very important. Thank you. I teach at the Warren Officer Career College and get to work with about eight MI professionals who mentor and develop warrant officers and warrant officer candidates. What would you say to a warrant officer who just graduated from candidate school? Be a steward of your profession. I always focus on and I I try to tell my subordinates to focus on reading, training, and being relevant. Keep relevant with both current doctrine and the lessons learned that are coming out from the force. Be there for training. Training is critical. It can atrophy over time if you don't think through that or don't practice what you're reading. And then the last thing is being relevant. Presence can be just as important as a technical understanding. So just make sure you're present at the right time, right place. Thank you so much for your time today, Andrew, and for sharing how work of warrant officers in MI contributes to meeting the doctrinal requirements. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Andrew's discussion today about his work as a 350 Foxtrot reminded me of the Army University Press documentaries on the defense and surrender of the Philippines. Both documentaries are rich with information relevant to military intelligence and its impact on both planning and operations. Although I enjoyed both of those videos, I recommend reaching out to experts like Andrew Seaman and our past guest, Alicia Sexton and Aaron Sargent, to gain a more current perspective on the work and the importance of warrant officers in the Army today. Additionally, I would like to thank all those listeners out there for the growing interest in the Cohort W podcast. Please visit warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation and programs like this. On behalf of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the Warrant Officer to that fight. Special thanks to our theme music composer, retired Sergeant First Class, Josh DiStefano. 
Visit joshdestefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.